For this episode, we're venturing a bit off of the UCSC campus and instead towards the beach. For those who don't know, Natural Bridges is a beautiful state park in Santa Cruz with a great beach that many students love to hang out at. Natural Bridges is teeming with life and opportunities for students. From the tide pools to the monarch migration, there's so much to learn. I wanted to do an episode dedicated to Natural Bridges because I know how amazing the staff and volunteers are and how hard they work to keep the park nice for all of us. I was actually training to be a docent at the park last winter, but right when I completed my training was when the pandemic hit. I was training to teach kids in small groups about the tide pool ecosystem that Natural Bridges has, and I was really bummed that I didn't get to utilize my knowledge about the different animals. But now I have an opportunity to make a podcast about it. So, in this episode, I talked to a park ranger and my old training supervisor about what makes Natural Bridges special, how the park and its wildlife has changed during the pandemic, and as things open back up, some opportunities that may be offered to interested students. So before I get into the interview, I want to talk a little bit about the wonder of Natural Bridges. The park includes a monarch preserve, providing a home for thousands of monarch butterflies to migrate during the winter. In the spring and summer, the monarchs live in valley regions west of the Rocky Mountains, drinking their nectar from milkweed flowers and laying their eggs on its leaves. Their migration in Natural Bridges is an amazing experience to see. People come from all over to watch their migration, and October and November are the best months to see them in their full glory. My coworkers Isabella and Cynthia produced an episode last week where they go much more in depth about monarchs, if you want to check that out. Anyways, the Natural Bridges Beach also includes access to public tide pools. When the tide is low, you can see starfish, crabs, sea anemones, and thousands of other cool creatures. You can look up when the tide is going to be low and plan your visits to Natural Bridges during low tide to maximize your tide pool experience. The diversity of life at Natural Bridges is amazing, especially considering the fact that its public beach is usually packed with people. I love Natural Bridges, and it's really cool that Santa Cruz has a state park with so much beauty and that students can visit whenever they want. Because I stopped volunteering last winter, I've been curious about how the park has been doing this past year during the pandemic. I visited the park and spoke with my old training supervisor and friend, Martha, and I asked her about the work that she's been doing. I started our interview by asking her how Natural Bridges has been affected by the pandemic. Before COVID, the park seemed to be always packed with people, and school groups would go to learn about the wildlife all the time. So without all of this movement, what has the park been like? Well, it's been a really interesting year as an interpreter because my job was kind of the opposite of what it usually is. Mm -hmm. It's usually welcome and let me explain to you about some of the things that are special here so that you can enjoy it better. But this last year with the pandemic, at the start of it, we really didn't know how contagious or how it was spread very much. And so I'm really grateful to the Santa Cruz health officer for really kind of doing a lockdown. And so what happened was I saw the wildlife come back. It was amazing. When people were not here for, it was like just over a week. Yeah. I saw two weasels. I haven't seen weasels for years. I used to see a weasel once in a while, but you know, it's like long between seeing it. But I saw two different places and I believe that they're two different families because one was Mm -hmm. near the back gate of Natural Bridges and the other was up in the sand dunes at the front of the park. And so, um, yeah, it's pretty pretty fun to see that. And then there were three wild turkeys that came into the park. I've never seen turkey in this park before, but they came into the park because we weren't there. Ooh. And without the dogs, without the bikes, without the yeah. all crowds, the movement, all of a sudden the wildlife came back. The deer got less afraid. 
It was pretty funny. That's I came incredible. in one day and I was scolding a deer because it was standing in the middle of our garden where our volunteers work in our garden. And I'm like, wait, you can't be in our garden. This is where they're <laughs> taking care of it, you know? Yeah. Um, but anyway, so the pandemic, in some ways, it was really good for the wildlife. Mm -hmm. We had less traffic. We had fewer cars. We had less pollution. We had less outsiders coming. Right. Um, the air quality was better. The wildlife yeah. um, was better. So in some ways, that's kind of the silver lining of it all. But maybe that's something to learn from. Yeah. I was gonna ask, um, was that like towards the start of the pandemic? Because yeah, I feel like yeah. I feel like now and and oh, more so recently, it's now. so yeah. people want to be outside, so people yeah. probably would be coming here more. Yeah, exactly. So the as we learn more and as the health officer learn more, then lockdown. Well, that was an interesting thing in the summer between eleven and five, we were keeping people off the beach, mm. and that was because we didn't want people to come from far distances to come to the ocean last summer. Now, as more and more people are getting inoculated, um, please do as soon as you can. Yes. Because it's getting to be where people can. Yeah. And then you know that you won't die. Yeah. Which is really, really important. And you'll know that your loved ones won't die, which is really, Very really important. important. Okay, I'm just pausing the interview really quick to say, if you're not vaccinated already, please get vaccinated. Do it for me and Martha. Do it for your friends and family. Get vaccinated. Okay, back to the interview. Um, and so as people are getting more inoculated, then we're starting to see more people here and feeling more comfortable about coming out and being around other people. Right. Yeah, so I see that through the summer, we're still saying, please wear a face mask mm -hmm. if you're in close contact with people. We're still saying, please don't come in huge groups um, so that we don't have spread of disease. Um, so all that is still in effect, but we are gonna see more and more people coming just now that we realize that you know, with inoculation, with being outside, it isn't so contagious that we can be a little safer and careful. What do you think your favorite season um, of time of the year to work here is? Like, is it like tide pool seasons or is it more like of the summer because the weather or like the fall for the monarchs? I like every <laughs> season. Um, I used to go in national parks to different parks around the country in the summertime and then come to do environmental education in another park, a couple different parks, um, during the winter. And then I kind of wanted to see one place through time. So it's really fun to be at Natural Bridges through the whole entire year and see how it changes. Mm -hmm. What I love about the fall is the whole feeling of magic when you see the little fluttery orange creatures coming back and the monarchs coming more and more and more into the grove. So that's just an amazing time. Just kind of, it feels like a miracle. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the forest comes to life in a whole nother way. Um, I like it because it's also really the warmest time of the year. Mm -hmm. And then I also like the winter because if we're lucky and we get winter rains, then everything starts to perk up and you can just sort of see the plants. All of a sudden they start growing and they start getting green and everything that was dead and brown is now lush again. And so I like the winter that way. Mm -hmm. And then I love spring. I've always loved spring in my life because spring is the time of flowers. I'm a little bit like a butterfly. <laughs> I like to go inland following spring and backpack in the summertime up at the high country because yeah. I love the flowers. So I love to follow them. 
And then summer is really nice because spring and summer is the time of the tide pools. It's a time when it's convenient times to go tide pooling during mm -hmm. the day. And so we have just the most amazing, you know, there's more different phyla, which is like different ways of being an animal, because um, it goes kingdom phylum, you know, right. um, and in classification. And so there's more different ways of being an animal in the tide pools than any other habitat in the world. And so I just find that um, spring and summer with tide pools is really wonderful. It's also fun because nobody knows what they're looking at. And it's so fun to explain these different creatures that have such strange different adaptations that could hardly be imaginable <laughs> to us. Yeah, that's awesome. And then I was actually, I was wondering, because um, you mentioned the monarchs, I was wondering how the virtual event for the monarchs went and if you noticed there was a difference in the butterflies themselves without all the people there. Yeah, this year was a hard year for monarchs. This year was a really, really hard year for monarchs, and we're not really sure exactly why. There's so many things that are factors that are affecting in, and it's hard to say that it's just one thing. Mm -hmm. This year, temperatures were higher in the late summer and early fall of where the butterflies came from. It's such high temperatures that it could be um, that they could have died from that wow. because they're just like unseasonably hot like Death Valley heat Oof. in places in the Central Valley. Yeah. They never have had that kind of heat before. So that was a big concern about that. Yeah. And people say, you know, global warming and seeing the effects of that. Mm -hmm. um, and so temperatures are rising, especially in the fall. Um, another thing that um, an advocacy group for butterflies, it's called the Xerces Society, xerces.org, if you're interested in looking them up. They um, had some scientists go out into the Central Valley and they found that there was poison even on organic places of milkweed. Okay, just a quick note to remind you what milkweed is. Milkweed is a flower that is critical to the survival of monarch butterflies. Without milkweed, they can't complete their life cycle and they start to die. Milkweed also has a toxin in it that makes monarchs poisonous to other animals. This protects them from getting eaten. So they went and they, they surveyed the milkweed for all kinds of different poisons, mm -hmm. and they found poisons on the milkweed in the Central Valley. So um, in two years, not this last winter, but the two years before that, a scientist in Washington State, in eastern Washington, he had um, some inmates in a prison helping him, and they loved this the best of their whole year. They raised up milkweed and they raised up the whole life cycle of the monarch butterfly, and they released him with a tag on it. And in 2018 and 2019, those butterflies, some of them were found at natural bridges. Wow. So we know that some of the butterflies are coming from Washington. This last year, there were no eggs that were found in Washington by anybody. They were found in Oregon, and the butterflies came to Oregon, but they weren't found in Washington. So what's going on? We really, really don't know. So there's so many worrisome things right now. Yeah. Martha explained to me that this year, 550 butterflies migrated to the Natural Bridges Preserve. 550, whereas the year before we'd had, you know, over 2,000, and the year before that we'd had even more than that. And if you go back oh. to the 90s, in the late 90s, they there was 127,000 butterflies. Wow. And so then the next year there was 10,000, and the question was what changed? Yeah. And because of that science experiment in the mid-90s, we looked to the Bay Area, and the question was what had changed? And when people did that, they looked at the Bay Area, they found that it was the year that they rode, the roadsides were herbicided. 
up to that point they had been mowed so roadside oh. and railroad tracks were sprayed with with roundup yeah and so there was no more milkweed for the monarchs to eat so that's another problem is you know how much milkweed are they finding yeah each female has a hundred to four hundred eggs to lay how can she find enough so that she can you know, there's so many things yeah. that can go wrong. I mean, a spider could eat them, or mm -hmm. ladybug, or get hit by a car, or a storm get them, or whatever yeah. in her offspring. So she needs to have lots and lots. Mm -hmm. And they need a lot of milkweed. Each one needs a good, big-sized plant. So we really, really need inland to have more milkweed planted. And actually, there's legislation right now. If you want to do something, you can go online for the Monarch Act. And the um, there's also a... Uh, a Roadside Pollinators Act, and those have been proposed by our, our state legislator, um, Jimmy Panetta. And mm. plus, I think there's about five of them. It's actually bipartisan, and which is very cool. And they're proposing that we need to get more of what the monarchs need, milkweed inland, fix up our coastal um, trees that they come to for the wintertime, and, and then also more money for pollinators. Um, bees and other things that help us with our pollination inland. I'll link these two legislative acts in the description of this episode. You should check them out and see what you can do to support them, and hopefully help save the monarchs so we can continue to see them at Natural Bridges. For the next part of the interview, Martha and I talked about the pressures that have been putting a toll on the park and why volunteers are so important, particularly student volunteers. Yeah, Natural Bridges is kind of a special place because it's now becoming an urban park. Historically, mm -hmm. it was right at the edge of town, and now town is creeping around it. And so how that changes the park is now we have these pressures of being closer and closer to town. So more people are walking their dogs, right. and more people are biking through, and all those kind of things that didn't used to happen because we're at the edge of the town. And now another pressure is that with the pandemic, people that are inland, temperatures are rising, and they are wanting to get out. And the coastal areas seem like a great place because we're a lot cooler. Yeah. And so there's a lot of pressure of more people coming from elsewhere coming to the coast. Mm -hmm. And so with more people coming, we really need to have more advocates. And the more help we can get of people that are local now, and that's what's so great about the students is that yeah. you folks are living close and caring about the place. And we kind of are your park. I mean, we are your beach. We're the closest place to take a bus to or a bike mm -hmm. down to uh, that is the beach. And so, again, these pressures of more and more people coming, we can, with your help, um, let people know why it's a special place and what's special about it. And it's really, a, I said special too many times, but <laughs> it's really a unique opportunity to really learn a little place really well. Yeah. And at Natural Bridges, we have that opportunity because we have 12 different habitats just within wow. the one mile trail system yeah. and around that here in this park. Martha and I thought that it would be important to mention that there are multiple benefits for volunteering at Natural Bridges. By volunteering, we can really help out the park in a number of different ways. So there are a number of perks of helping at Natural Bridges State Beach. One is it is your park and then you can feel good that you're giving back when you come to enjoy it. Another perk is that if you do decide to volunteer and become one of our volunteers, we have a whole way of signing up for that, and then your hours do count. And if you put in 50 hours in a year, then we have a pass to all the parks that are in the 30, 
four parks that are within the Santa Cruz district area and it actually extends up to Half Moon Bay and down to Watsonville and into the mountains. And so that's pretty lovely to get a pass for the next year to be able to visit all these without having to have a, a fee associated every time instead of paying the $10 that's to go super in nice. every single time. So that's a real nice perk for local. Now, if you decide that you want to actually kind of almost live at the park and you're really dedicated <laughs> and you put in a ton of time and as a student, I doubt that would be any of you, but we do have a few volunteers that are retired and they put in a lot of time. Yeah. Um, if you put in 200 hours, there's a pass that's for all of the state parks in all of California. Wow. So um, that's pretty, pretty exciting to, to know that we have that kind of a pass also. Not only do the hours benefit you, but when you log your hours, they also benefit the park. Mm -hmm. And how it benefits the park is that there's some grants, and some of the grants are state grants. And through the state parks, our local people in our admin office, um, they're able to get some grants and money to help the park. And also, we have a nonprofit. Our nonprofit is the Friends of Santa Cruz State Parks, and they are able to also get monies and grants based on volunteer hours. And so it's also hopefully a way where you can not only enjoy and give back, but also if you're looking for new skills or you're thinking about this as perhaps a potential profession that you might like to go into, yeah. or maybe you're interested in being a teacher and you want to have experience with that. Um, so hopefully that is also another little perk. As we go into summer, for sure, we're gonna have more scheduling. And actually right now, as we speak, we really need help. If you're living in Santa Cruz right now, or if you're going to be moving back here for the summer or fall, you should definitely consider volunteering at Natural Bridges State Park. Like Martha said, if you're looking for experience for a future job, or if you like working with children and you need to put something on your resume, or maybe you just want to give to your community and volunteer, you should look into helping out at Natural Bridges. And if you're a first year and moving to Santa Cruz for the first time, definitely go check out the beach. You'll have a lot of fun there. But when you visit, keep conservation in mind, and remember that this beautiful park only exists with the help from volunteers and the respect from the people passing through it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Slugcast. I'll see you all next week with another episode.